Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So this morning we want to continue on our journey. Um, we started the series last Sunday morning called Honours Reward. And I just want to continue along that line this morning. And some of the stuff that I'm about to share today is, is, is pretty challenging. Um, some of the things that Jesus said, and we'll get to that shortly, but it's, it's quite challenging stuff. And uh, who knows that it's good to be challenged by the Word of God. Amen. So we began um, just, just last week just talking about um, honor. Honor is a virtue that's become um, less and less in our culture, the culture that we live in. But the place of honor and the value of honor in our communities and our families and our churches is incredibly important to God. Amen. And last week we looked at the power of dishonor and what that did, and we're going to have a little look at it this morning. But the reason that we're doing this series is it's so important for us to build our lives on the principles that are in the Word of God. Amen. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he says that we are to build our lives upon his saying, upon the word of God, what, what he teaches us that we're meant to build our lives around the word of God. And I said last Sunday, and it's so true, our world is changing at a rapid pace, but God's principles, the word of God, is not changing. Aren't you glad about that this morning? The truth is, though, it takes focus and work to keep building our lives upon God's principles, especially when everything in the media is ripping apart what we would call biblical life principles. And just a little side note, what a great victory for the pro-life groups like us this, 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 um, today, uh, where the, the parliament overthrew that, um, that, um, the, the attempt to make abortion legal in New South Wales. And I don't know if you're fully aware of how evil it was, but they were talking about full-term abortions, even aborting a child on the day it was born. That was in our parliament. But thank God today for a victory there, amen, for righteousness and for truth. We're really, really thrilled um, about that, but we need to keep our prayers and our thoughts in that arena as well. But you know, you and I are called to be people that swim against the culture and the currents in our culture, amen, rather than flowing with what everything's happening in the community and just getting caught up with the media and being like everyone else and thinking like everyone else. No, we're meant to be different. We're called by God to live at a higher standard, amen? We're called to live at a different level. And so last Sunday morning, we looked at what does honor mean? What does the word honor mean? And we just want to just underscore it again because there'll be people here that weren't here last week. But the word honor is from the Greek word timao, timao, and it means to revere or to value. And last Sunday, I looked at the, the, uh, the Macquarie Dictionary definition of the word revere. And listen to what it says. To regard with respect, tinged with awe. To regard with respect, tinged with awe. So we came up with this definition of what it means to honor in the kingdom of God. So to honor others from a biblical perspective means to value them and to regard them with great respect, tinged with awe. That's not our culture today in the world, is it? I mean, we said last Sunday, imagine taking this sort of thought to the parliament, the state parliament. Could you imagine if politicians started to honour one another? I mean, what would that do for our country and for our nation? It would change us. It would just turn us inside out. But this is how God has called us to live. And last week, I wanted to touch on it again, again uh, as well because it's just, it's just profound. What a lack of dishonor can do. 
And last week we looked at Mark chapter 6 and we discovered the effects of dishonor. And we saw in verse 5 of Mark chapter 6 that the Bible says this, Now he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people. And we touched on last week and wanted to say again this morning, notice it does not say he would not or he did not want to. It says that he could not. That blows me away. I just think this is Jesus, Son of the Most High, God incarnate, the living Word, the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of the Jews, the light of the Word. His power to perform miracles in that instance was totally null and void. It just blows me away to think that Jesus could not do any mighty miracles. And last week we asked the question, why? And we found the answer to it in a verse that we're going to touch on in a moment. We found the, the village that he went to was his home village. When he rocked up there, all the people from his home village saw him and they just remembered him as a boy growing up in their village. They remembered him as, as Jesus, the son of Joseph. They dishonored. In fact, the Bible says that they were offended. As Jesus began to teach, they were offended. And what they did is they dishonored Jesus. And Jesus' response to them in the book of Mark chapter uh, 6, I think it's a verse 7 or uh, excuse me, verse 4, it says this, But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and his own house. What Jesus is saying is the reason why he could do no mighty work amongst them is that they were dishonoring him. And because of this dishonor, his power was totally limited. Amazing thought. How profound and how important is honor to God? How important must it be? I believe this, that honor is the conduit of the kingdom of God, that honor is the conduit of the power of God. When we have dishonor in our hearts, I, I believe potentially it can limit the flow of God's power in our lives and through our lives, amen. I believe this, that we could also interpret this, that if we have dishonor in our hearts towards the authorities that God has placed in our lives, that he will also almost not be able to do any mighty miracles in our lives either. Wow, what a thought. There's a similar thought in Luke chapter 5. It tells a similar uh, message to us about Mark chapter 6, but it's just in a different setting. And I wanted to read it to you this morning, a similar thing. The power of God is withheld. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. In other words, we could say that there was a large religious crowd that had gathered around to listen to Jesus. Amen? That's what was taking place. There was a large crowd. But listen to what the Bible says was happening right there. It says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The power of the Lord was there ready to heal them all. Now, if you go through that verse of Scripture, we see four brave men, um, the men that pick up this paralytic man. You know the story. They open up the roof of the house. They drop the man in. And Jesus is just so amazed by their faith that he heals the paralytic man and also forgives the sin of the paralytic man. But all the teachers and all the Pharisees, all the, uh, the Pharisees are said and the teachers, they're offended at Jesus. They're like, how could you say that? How could you do that? Straight up, there's no honor flowing because the Bible says in the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But the truth is this, not one of them was healed. 
Not one of you can't see anywhere in that text there where any of those people, the Pharisees and the teachers, were healed. Why? I believe because they had a lack of honor in their heart towards Jesus. There was no honor flowing from their hearts towards Jesus, and that's why none of them were healed. They had dishonor towards him, and as a result of that, that dishonor stopped the flow of the power of the Lord to heal them. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, what I felt this morning to share and to touch on and to get our heads a little bit around this this morning is to understand the power of honor and delegated authority. Amen. So to start the journey this morning, if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, that's code for me to have a drink of water, Mm. or your smartphone, or whatever it may be, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look at a well-known text that sort of gives us a bit of an introduction to delegated authority and understanding. I want to say this morning that if we want all that God has for us as individuals, for families, and for our church as well, then we need to understand the value of honor in our lives. We also need to understand the value of delegated authority as well. I'm going to talk and touch on a little bit this morning. We need to understand that. But we pick it up in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says this, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy. Hear that? What's going on? Uh, Honor. Lord, I'm not worthy. Humility. I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And I say to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Well, before we jump into that text there, firstly, we need to understand the setting. Rome was the occupier of Israel. This guy is a centurion, an authority in Rome, a leader under authority. And Jesus was a carpenter. What authority did this centurion possess? Well, there were normally 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. And they had one commander over them, the entire legion. And within that legion of 6,000, there were 60 centurions. And they had authority over a hundred soldiers, and the centurion reported to the one commander. Can you see the line of delegated authority there? So the centurion had great authority, and he understood delegated authority, because in verse 9 he says, For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion perceived the authority of Jesus and recognize that he was operating from a greater authority. Because he says, For I also am a man under authority. See that there? He perceived the authority over Jesus, and he said, For I am also a man under authority. He understood the power of delegated authority. That's why he had complete faith when he says to Jesus, Just say the word. Because he understood delegated authority. You know, we talk about authority in the church today and we all get nervous. (laughs) We all just get freaked out and eked out. But it's so, so biblical delegated authority. And we're going to touch on it a little bit more. 
So in the verses, that not only um, do we get an understanding of the power of delegated authority, but we see the rewards of honor working as well. Because you'll again, look at how he approaches Jesus. The centurion starts off with this. He says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Straight up, the centurion starts his meeting with Jesus with great honor. Honor flowed in his response and as a result of that honor, he received the healing he was seeking because the Bible says in a few verses after, Jesus says, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Why? Because the centurion understood delegated authority and more importantly, he understood, he understood it. He understood the power and the place of honor as well. Understood it. Understood it. Is that a word? I don't think it is. Understood delegated authority and the place of honor in his life there. So the centurion received from Jesus the proportion to the honor that he showed him. Amen. And to understand the power of honor, we need to understand delegated authority. Jesus gives us a couple of examples, and we want to touch on these this morning as we get ready to conclude. Jesus gives us an example um, in John chapter 5. This is the first, uh, his first example is authority of the Father and the Son. In John chapter 5, verse 23, it says this, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Wow. See that there? Honor. Honor, honor. The first thing to notice is the line of authority, the authority of the Father to the Son. It says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. The second thing is the flow of authority is to be channeled through or by honor. Listen to what it says that all honor, excuse me, this, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. What does it mean to honor, to value, or to, re to revere? Jesus is actually saying that how we treat him is a reflection of how we will treat the Father in heaven. Yeah. How we honor the Son is how we will honor the Father in heaven. Why? Because the Father is the ultimate authority who has released His Son, amen, as the next level of delegated authority. And how we treat the Son is how we treat the Father. Hallelujah. And if we haven't got great honor uh, to, to revere with a tinge of awe, then I don't believe that we're going to receive the things that God wants to do in and, in, and in, in and through our lives until we honor and receive the Son, and in turn we honor and receive the Father delegated line of authority but the conduit is what honor the conduit of that flow of authority is honor hallelujah so important that we get this amen help us lord to get this so honor is the conduit of heaven but in the next verse jesus takes the delegated authority of heaven to another level in mark chapter excuse me matthew chapter 10 jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. You know, the word receive there can also be translated as honor. In, in turn, Jesus is telling us that we need to honor the ones he sends, and that in turn, honoring the one that he sends, we are honoring him, but ultimately, the one who sent him, the Father. 
In fact, the same thought we find in John chapter 13, it says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Again, delegated lines of authority. We have the Father who sends the Son, who sends... people hallelujah the father sends the son and in jesus in turn jesus sends people for many people the thought of authority or being under authority is like a scary thing but i want to say this this morning being under authority in a local church is the safest place to position yourself and your family You know, many years ago, as a younger pastor, I probably wouldn't have spoken about things like this in the Word of God because it could be interpreted that the pastor is trying to have control or, or authority or, or stuff like that. But, you know, as I've gotten a bit older, I've sort of gone, well, you know, forget that. This is what the Word of God says. And God has established levels of authority in His kingdom, the Father, the Son, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He's established those lines of authority. Why? So that they can be the, the, the channel of blessing to us. Amen? It goes from the Father all the way down to the authorities and it travels all the way back up again. You see, the blessing of God comes down through the Father, through the Son, through the ones that He's appointed in His local church. And as we honor them, that honor goes straight back up to uh, Jesus, but then ultimately it goes to the Father. There's such a line of authority and such a line of honor. And if we're not honoring to the leaders that God has placed over us, then potentially we'll be limiting the blessing of God to us. Amen? So as a Cheney this morning, it's not about me. It's about us grappling with such a huge kingdom principle amen and if you're here this morning you might be from another local church or or from another place can i encourage you to try and grapple with the importance of honoring one another amen honoring one another and understanding the place of delegated authority and how god flows down through that his blessings his uh whatever it may be that he wants to bring into our lives he'll, he'll release it from heaven it'll flow through jesus jesus in turn it'll flow through those authorities that he's ordained hallelujah can you get it this morning got it it's such a powerful powerful thought Many people have said, well, the only authority that I'm going to, to um, um, submit to or commit to is God and God ultimately. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches, amen. That's not what the Word of God says. In fact, the, the Bible says in a, in a verse of the New Testament, submit to those who rule over you. I mean, you say stuff like that today and people just go, I'm out of here. But that's what the Bible says. You know the word submission? It just means to get under the mission. <laughs> that, that's all it means just to get under the mission where are we going as a local church what's the vision we're just going to get under the mission and just be a, a support and a blessing and do all that we can speak well hallelujah you're a quiet bunch huh. so again for many people get all you know like freaked out but I think without exception the healthiest place to be 
is in a local church and under the authority that God places over the local church. Amen? But in verses 41, he talks about the rewards receiving, uh, receiving and honoring the ones that he may send. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, uh, when, he, when he speaks to this group of people, they didn't have Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It wasn't written yet. But he says this, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. The group that Jesus was speaking to, as I said, didn't have Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It wasn't written, as I said. But I would think that if he was speaking to us today out of the understanding of the fivefold ministry, he probably would have said something like this. He who receives an apostle in the name of apostle will receive an apostle's reward. He who receives an evangelist in the name of evangelist will receive an evangelist. I'm going somewhere with this. Will receive an evangelist's reward. He who receives a pastor in, a, in, a, in the name of a pastor will receive a pastor's reward. And the teacher, and um, did I miss any? I don't think I did. I think we've covered them all there. Again, the word receive can be translated as honor. If you receive and honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. What does that mean, a prophet's reward? Well, some um, prophetic insight or utterance that you might receive. I mean, see, I found this. It's got nothing to do with the external of someone. In other words, often when we come to honoring people, we look at them and we go, do they look a little bit like me? Do they sound a little bit like me? Do I like the way that they dress? Yes, I like the way they dress. I like their car. I like everything, everything about them I like. I will, and now I will just I'll honor them. But that's not how it happens in the kingdom of God. He says we are to honor despite what we might think to be the external. We are to honor on the basis of not the external, but upon the principle, amen. So a prophet could come, and you might look at him, and he's got dreadlocks, oh, I'd love those, and earrings and stuff like that, maybe one or two, who knows? He could have all that, and we look at them, and we go, we judge externally. We don't honor them, and as a result, we receive no reward. You get it? Or a teacher might come and you know the teacher he's just he's just done up with his tight pants with a belt on his shirt's tucked in he's got a tie i mean he just looks like a real dork. Oh, anyone dressed like that i hope not just it just looks like a real dork and we look at him we judge him we go oh, i'm not receiving no if we honor the teacher we say god i don't know this person but obviously you have ordained him as authority in your church and your kingdom if i honor him then as a result of that i receive the teacher's reward what's that some sort of insight or revelation out of the word of god because my heart's open my heart's right i can receive from him you get that powerful stuff powerful 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 stuff the the pastor you might look at the pastor and he might be um six foot and bald and his nose a little bit twisted from being punched a few times and a little cut above his ear alien invasion at some point during his journey in life and uh, sometimes he spits a fair bit and stuff like that you look at him go no way i'm not receiving from him you get me but you're judging the external no no god's placed whoever it is at this point it's rachel and i in this house here we're very very privileged to have the role at this point we're here amen but the reality is if we judge externally we won't receive what's the reward of a pastor some shepherding insight some some um, word that's spoken that brings comfort and healing to hearts amen hallelujah we could go on about the apostle we could go on about the evangelist i've probably done that already but we've got to get the picture as people we're meant to live beyond the external 
We're meant to place value on the gifting and the authority that God has placed. And when we do that, he who receives shall receive. He who places honor on will receive back. Why? Because we're not receiving the person, we're receiving Jesus, and ultimately we're receiving the Father in heaven. Because he sent them. He sent them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm almost done. Having fun up here. Listen to this thought. Remember a, war, a reward is not a gift. It's the fruit of deliberate effort. A reward is not a gift. It's a fruit of deliberate effort. So I finished this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says this, For those who honor me, God speaking, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You flesh that thought out, lightly esteemed, it's, it's basically like this, I will give little consideration to, or I'll give little consideration of. For those who honor me, I will honor. Get the picture. Oh God, I honor you, but I just totally don't like that leader. Oh God, I honor you, I give you my life, etc., etc., but I just don't want to have anything to do with the authority that you've placed over my life. To honor God means to honor the authority that he's placed over our lives. It's hard preaching this morning. But this is, this is life-changing. This is life-changing. This changes us forever. Hallelujah. Listen again. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me, dishonor me, shall be lightly esteemed, given little consideration to. So in summary this morning, in God's kingdom, he's established delegated lines of authority, and we see that that honor is the conduit through which all of his authority and his power flows. When we understand delegated authority, it positions us for blessing and the breakthroughs that God has for us. And in fact, honor is essential key to receiving from heaven. And the thought, the thought that I want to leave you with is a culture of honor is a culture of the supernatural. Hallelujah. Amen, sister. A culture of honor is a culture of the supernatural. So as I conclude this morning, who is God calling you? to honor who potentially are you dishonoring amen even for young people in school with our teachers and things like that you know to honor them is is, is got to be the most powerful thing that we could do in our classes but that doesn't happen in school today and therefore those authorities over our lives and teachers what's and all if we don't honor them we don't receive from them all that god would want to bless us through them because dishonor will shut that flow down. Hallelujah. Happens in every arena of our lives at work with your boss. Stop dishonoring him or her. Start to honor. Watch the change take place. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. It's so true, so profound, Lord. Lord, as we're on this journey of understanding the value of honor in our lives, Lord, we just ask you that you would help us to see that this is not a law thing. This is not a... Uh, that we must think it's about our hearts lord 
So Lord, may we be, continue to be a people that honors you by honoring your son, by honoring those that you've sent to us, Lord. Because God, you so want to bless our lives. You so want to touch us. You so want to heal our, our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our souls, every part of us, Lord. You want to transform. And Lord, we thank you today for the power of honor. Lord, today, may we understand it, but more importantly, may we apply it to every arena. Why don't you just take a moment this morning, just before we conclude, and just to think about other individuals, people that maybe you've been dishonoring to, that you need to maybe say, God, I need to change my heart. Honor is not about so much so our actions, but it's more so about our heart. So, Father, we do. We just take a moment this morning just to wait on you. Speak to our hearts. We thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. You're wonderful. In Jesus' name, amen.